there's a lot going on in the world all over the place. Personally, <laughs> professionally, societally, it's so- socioeconomically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a lot happening. Um, which, hey, check out this transition. Just like there's nothing happening in the world of F1, but there's still like a lot happening in the world of F1. Just because mm-hmm. nothing's happening in our personal or professional lives doesn't mean that there isn't so much going on behind closed doors or under the surface or whatever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. I mean, though, I, I just think of it as, uh, you know, it's nice uh, with all this chaos happening around us that we've got fast race cars to distract ourselves with. Yeah. Yeah. Fastest, the fastest of race cars. So let's, let's do our, let's do the podcast, Johnny. Let's get into it here. Let's do it, baby. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One podcast. It is a couple of best friends who have loved F1 for oh so long. Uh, since we're little baby boys, uh, uh, peeing in beds. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why I went to that. But I did. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, so that's right. We've both been fans since we were twenty-two years old. Yes, peeing peeing our beds at twenty-two. Uh, I am one of those hosts. I am Corey Willis. I am an actor, writer, improviser out here in California. We. There's been multiple times in our lives that we've lived together, so I think yeah. we could verify uh, yeah. these uh, this this bit of information. Uh, my name is John Lapore. <laughs> I am a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive. And welcome everybody to oh. this week's episode of the F1 Files. Uh, we've got a handful of random bits to touch mm-hmm. on that have been unfolding in oh, the yeah. off week. And, uh, you know, we'll probably find ourselves weaving in and out of Johnny's trash corner as well. Oh, as back we are up somewhat truck. Corey, where, where, where do you want to, where do you want to start? Uh, so let's just, let's rip through what we're going to go, uh, go through today. Let's, let's yeah, give me a little table of contents here. Yeah. So we've got the, uh, the biggest story here, uh, of the week, uh, that is off track was the Nelson PK settlement, uh, where he was making awful racist and homophobic comments about Lewis Hamilton on a podcast. Uh, it's, it's an interview that was turned into a podcast. You can go ahead and listen to that. Uh, or or not or, or just not, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah we'll touch on that because clearly some people listened to it and some people didn't uh before jumping in and saying things or they listened to it and were like oh i need to defend my pseudo family anyways okay so uh there's that and then we also have uh something that you brought to my attention johnny which is the saudi f1 uh, team, the rumors of a Saudi F1 team slowly but mm-hmm. surely being put together. Uh, then we've got the Netflix documentary. Uh, it's the dramatic doc about Senna. Uh, that is a Brazil, Netflix Brazil production. So that should be interesting. Uh, then we've got the, the, the closer to the track action, which is the McLaren technical shakedown uh, or shake up, we should say. Uh, the technical team shakeup there. And then also 
Toto has come out and said some pretty ridiculous things uh, in reference to what they are going to do with the Merc going forward. So those are some things that we're going to chat about and weave in and out of that trash corner uh, whilst touching upon. Where uh, where did you want to start, Johnny? What's what's your? Uh, let's just jump right in with uh, Nelson PK yeah, Senior. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so uh, as I understand it, he is now, uh, and I'm and I'm not even sure who brought the suit against him. Um, Me neither. It doesn't. I he... I don't know if there. Are, uh, I, I I wish I did know more about brazilian politics and just the is there way. like an anti-defamation league that's able to like bring charges against him or or whatnot? on behalf of the government or something like that i'm not sure it seems like that would i mean we live in the u.s so we're like no everyone takes care of themselves right uh no that usually the way that societies work is there are certain measures put into place by government uh, organizations, regardless of who is running the country. There are like policies and protocols that are in place. And this might be one of those where it's just like, hey, if you on air make uh, defamatory comments that are hurtful, uh, racist, or bigoted, and you get caught doing that, then you open yourself up to liability. Uh, so this is, I guess, similar to like slander, uh, some of the slander laws that uh, exist here in the U.S. Maybe. I don't know. Again, I, this is speculation. Probably should have done a little bit of research on this, but also didn't want to. Uh, just happy to report that this dude had to pay this money. So what, what's, what, what are the details that you've gleaned in this one, Johnny? Uh, he is... Uh... He is being asked to pay a fine of nine hundred fifty thousand American dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's almost a million dollars. That's a that's a steep, steep yeah. fine for this. I mean, well within his, you know, ability be to pay. Yeah. And I I I I assume with something like this, you know, they they are just trying to figure out how to scale. Uh, a fine to a point where it's going to hurt whoever it is, you know, being penalized against. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, sense. to me, that feels, that feels appropriate. I mean, I hope there's folks that feel somewhat um, vindicated yeah. from, uh, you know, just it, it be, especially because as this was happening, as this stuff was coming out, I felt like there was still quite a bit of that unpleasant sort of like people just oh but that's you know that's classic nelson pk that's just him you know that's that's why people don't like him yeah boys boys will be boys yeah racists will be racists you know yeah exactly what a hoot you know yeah we have to Uh, tolerate him just some casual hyper aggressive racism you know like why why not yeah you know He's Brazilian. Racism is the spice of life, you know? Yeah. How boring would things be if we didn't have rapscallions yeah, like Nelson right, yeah. PK yeah. being Saying, racist scumbags out yeah. in public? Saying like the yeah. worst possible things, backing yeah. dictators, people who are trying to pull off <laughs> political coups and military coups. Like, oh, he's just, he, it's just Nelson nah. being Nelson. Uh, yeah. Classic I, locker room banter. Yeah, yeah. It just, it felt, that's the tone that 
that F1 kind of took up until this happened. And then yeah. finally, when this happened, they were like, all right, dude's not allowed at Grand Prix weekends anymore. We don't want him in our paddock. And I was like, oh, that's an immediate, like, that's an immediate consequence that yeah, you, as fans, Johnny, you and I are both like, oh my God, I would love to get access to the paddock on like a race weekend and just be able to wander around it. Uh, I know you had a chance to go into the paddock, but it was under like very specific conditions. Uh, But someone like Nelson PK, a former world champion, could literally wander in and out of whatever garage he wanted to. Uh, There wasn't, as long as he wasn't a brand ambassador for one of them, there would be literally he could just go wherever he wanted. He could take comfort breaks in people's uh, motorhomes, had access to catering, had access to facilities, had access to all these privileges. So to have those privileges revoked, just outright revoked for this yep. specific reason, felt like a huge win in uh, in, in this I mean, it's, it's about the clearest way of saying like you're not you're no longer welcome as a part of Formula One's culture. Cult- exactly, not just. Not just like you're not physically unwelcome. It's that we are going to do everything we can to. We will walk right up to the line of scrubbing you from the history of this sport. We're not going to remove your world titles, but we are never going to mention that you are Nelson PK senior uh, two time Formula One world champion. Like that title now gets dropped from your name. You are now just Nelson PK. And people have to go, oh, junior or senior? Like, you don't get to be this huge name anymore uh, yeah. in the world. He was already absolutely despised by the vast majority of Brazilians and specifically mm-hmm. Brazilian F1 culture. People were like, we don't claim him. We haven't claimed him pretty much since we had an opportunity to throw our support behind Ayrton so it was like Nelson who uh and that was beautiful and that kind I think that might have provoked him into these like outbursts where he's like well I'm not getting attention so I'll get attention any way I can I mean that's the way that immature people behave and that feels like Nelson PK's pattern of behavior so yeah good riddance I'm glad I'm glad that he got fined it's quite funny to watch all of these now that we're in the meme culture, Johnny. It's yeah. so wonderful to see quite literally the the idea of uh oh, we can put Nelson PK's like actual fine, like government issued fine and uh like <laughs> conviction. We'll put that next to the Two-time world champion statements, uh, not Nelson PK statements. No, we're talking about his borderline son-in-law, Max Verstappen, being like, I know Nelson PK. He is not racist. It's like, hmm, the, a, a, a government says otherwise. Like, his own government mm-hmm. says that he's yep. racist and homophobic. So you, you can shut up, Max. You can stop defending someone. And it just goes into that whole, like, I respect Max Verstappen as a driver. And that is where it ends. Like, I can't respect him as a person, as a human being, if he is going to defend someone who he isn't even blood related to. Yep. I get wanting to defend your blood. I fully get that. And trying to be like, no, no, there's good in him. 
no, dude, this is like, you're not even married to his daughter. You're not even married to her. And you're defending his racism. Also, look at just your entire existence, okay? Look at your existence. And I know that, I don't mean to speak ill of Dutch people, but the people who have no self-awareness as uh, uh, people, uh, as Dutch people, like you just have to understand that racism exists in your culture and you uh, tend to perpetuate it because you deny a its existence. So this is what happens when you are like, no, no, I I didn't see anyone being racist. Uh, you have to explain it to me. How were they racist? And even when it's clearly explained, it's documented in an audio interview on video. And you're still like, I don't know. I that's You're not seeing the real. It's like, buddy, you... You, you need to Max needs to just shut up when it comes to Nelson PK or matters of racial tension. Maybe just shut up, dude. You don't you don't get to have a say. You've and it's not just because you're white and Dutch. There are plenty of other white Dutch folks who are like, yeah, no, no, no. I I absolutely have something to say here. I'm and I can see it, and I'll not defend Black Peter. I mean, folks, just look up. The Christmas tradition of Black Peter in uh, in the Netherlands, and oh, then no. try and explain to me how they don't oh. have any racism that exists in their culture. So, again, not to send up all Dutch people, but you just can't. It's like when people from the states are like, "We're we're not racist in the states." It's like your history is literally built upon a culture of racism. You can't say that it doesn't exist i you can say you are not but you can't say it doesn't exist and you damn sure can't say someone else isn't so that's and i mean i i know enough i know enough dutch people to know that you know this isn't something that is just like ubiquitous across dutch culture it's i think it's just it's unfortunately similar to the united states which is similar to almost every other Mm, in the world where there's like a yeah, racism is a horrible thing. Yeah. We have completely eradicated it, you know. Yeah, it doesn't exist here. I mean, so it's like, it's the comparison. It's not even a difficult comparison or a a huge comparison to make. A double world champion who does not represent their culture adequately. Okay, let's just literally... The two people who we've mentioned are double world champions. The two people we have mentioned were universally loved by their culture until someone went, hey, this is a pretty bad representation. So it's, and I get that like the previous representation of the Netherlands in Formula One is Jos Verstappen. So like, I get why you're like, oh, ooh. No, no, we don't want, we we need a new person in F1 who is Dutch that we can claim. And like Stoffel Van Dorn is not as active in uh, in the program. He's going to become more active because of Aston Martin and he'll get more high profile. Uh, he'll get more attention. I mean, he's doing like the post show on F1. But Stoffel Van Dorn, he's not the most charismatic person in the world. 
So uh, I can understand why people are like, hey, we're kind of glomming on to Max Verstappen. But Max, they're going to drop you just like the Brazilians drop Nelson Piquet when someone comes along to that they can claim who is not problematic. So I don't know. I'm not, I know Max is never going to listen to this. I could pretty much guarantee his people will never listen to this, but like, buddy, you could actively make the change right now. Uh, and I know that most of the people in the Netherlands are like, Hey Max, could you just like not give us a reason to defend you? Could you just give us a reason to be fully proud of you and not go like, yeah, no, he's great. Well, his dad is a little, mm-hmm. and he is defending someone who's racist and he's kind of, yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, just t- tighten it up, Max. You've There's been a marked difference in his behavior in the past year, too. And I think he's he seems well, more I, relaxed I, I, and more mature. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Max is going through anything that young, especially hotshot superstars go yeah. through, where you explode yeah. into prominence. And then it's like several years after that, that you end up actually settling into your like legacy identity, yeah. if you will. And I feel like we saw that with. Lewis Hamilton, which Absolutely. even when he was winning his first world championship, he was I'd extremely say like up until reserved. like his third yeah. or fourth championship. That, it was that it, was when he started to kind of come out of his shell a little yeah. bit, and yeah, and be less of like I like less of a person who walks around and honestly believes that their shit doesn't stink, and that is definitely the way that Max was acting he's no longer acting that way he's definitely showing a lot more humility lewis did the same thing he he but you uh, can tell with max you can tell it's not you know yeah it's not it's not it's not all coming from muscle memory no it's no it's not still about to fly off a handle at any at At, any moment which i'm excited for which i'm i'm here for i want to see yeah i do uh i want to see his emotional state tested i do throughout the rest of the season and we will we absolutely will. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of testing his emotional state, let's talk about this Saudi F1 team, the potential for a Saudi F1 team. So where, okay. where did you first hear about this, Johnny? So I stumbled across this via um, a couple of the like lower ranking outlets mm-hmm. that are peddling lots of formula one trash these days of which there are more of than there have ever been in oh. recent times. I went and to so search I'll, for this stuff and they're, they're behind like a lot of these articles are behind paywalls. Like people are, they have paywalls with these articles. It's, I love yeah, it. Yeah, this, I'm not this one I'm going to say is this one's pretty rampant speculation. Take it yeah. with a grain of salt. Um, the, so my understanding is that what we've got here is a, uh, a new potential team. And this is not a team that is publicly expressed interest as, Mm -hmm. uh, team Andretti did the, uh, F around and find out approach to making, making a clearly public statement about putting, uh, putting a team into contention here. And the murmurs are that there is a team 
that is coming together um, with uh, more than anything else, Saudi funding. Yeah, and it may it may not ultimately be presented as a Saudi team. Um, there's uh, uh, my understanding is that it's headed up by Craig Pollock, who previously yeah. had founded um, Bar or British American Racing, which was like. Uh, working with Honda to put a team together in the in the late nineties. Yeah. Um, the the rumor is that they're they're on their way in, and I found this to be interesting, which was that they are one of their key tenants to their operation. Is that they're saying like we'll have all the funding, you know, we'll pay the, you know, we'll pay what it is, and Whatever I don't know if is. that means that they're going to pay the the insanely high $200 million fee or the stratospherically high $700 million yes. fee yeah. uh, that has been uh, mentioned around. But um, another key attribute that they are selling themselves with is that their approach would have a great emphasis on equality, diversity, and inclusion, meaning that their goal would be to have a 50-50 gender split across the entire team, across yeah. the whole organization. Um, and, you know, they, they've even alluded to like, and although we may not be able to, you know, implement this at the start, we would love to, you know, our goal would be to have one female driver on our Which, team. But also say that half of the personnel in the pit are, are female and and whatnot. Yeah. Um which is interesting. It it sounds really really good on paper. It does. Uh th but also you do have to look at the history of gender politics in Saudi. Uh so I mean, yeah. All right. So that that's yeah. a y yes. This yes. is this is a sort of, you know, this is like the same thing as uh you know ferrari being the most racially progressive team on the grid or or what yeah um yeah. the the uh, just to but before even getting into the notion of like you know what does this mean for the saudis it's a it's a really interesting play but i do you know it, i i can't help but be skeptical yeah of of this approach um, because it does seem like this sort of like, I don't know, uh, diversity washing sort of approach to just yes. trying to have some reason to say like, well, you can't, you know, you can't not let us in. And, you know, I mean, hey, not the, you know, if you're if your strategy is to make sure that you're accepted at all costs, I mean, I guess. Yeah, it, that probably provides you some form of strategic advantage. They're um, like playing the Moneyball version of starting an F one team. Like they're quite literally going for like, what's the most strategic way of going about yeah. this that guarantees us the best possible outcome? Which admirable, admirable. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll hand it to you. You know, that's 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 a good uh, that's a good way to, I guess. You know, I mean, almost in a certain way, not that different from Andretti's yeah. 
approach to being so public so that they could be like, see, you'll upset everybody if you don't accept exactly. us. I think this has the same sort of ties exactly. attached yeah. to it. Um, it's just coming I about think, I mean, from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. L- listen, I think it would be great to um to for for a team to exist with this approach. Oh yeah. I think a 50-50 split is um, you know, ambitious bordering on impractical just because of the current state of the culture around the sport and you know yeah. um it, it'll it'll end up triggering a lot of the like grosser discussions around well there's also the simple fact that they're like we want they're using language that to me stands out uh in a very like could be very easily co-opted and corrupted and turn into something much grosser than we can imagine which is we want to have one at least one female driver we want to have half of our staff female and it's like hey are you saying that you are going to segregate your garages by gender because that doesn't sound good and uh, i hadn't even considered yeah because culturally (laughs) speaking there is there are arguments and there are people who are like men and women should not exist in the same space it's fine for women to exist just not alongside men so there's that's what I'm like there. If you, if we burrow down into it, this feels less and less altruistic and feels much more yeah. strategic. Uh, and like you said, I would love to see an, another team on the grid and I would love to see another team on the grid that is not based in Europe, uh, like a, a South American team, uh, a North American team, mm-hmm. uh, an East Asian team, a South Asian team, right? Like we had Sahara uh, force like India, like we had, we had an Indian team for a while. Uh, so like, I love the idea of having a diverse grid uh in all the ways not just in the like oh we have black people and we have white people it's like we have diversity true diversity not just like parody but like real diversity Mm -hmm. so you can grab any clutch of people and you're going to get a different spectrum within it and not just a like benetton ad every time you look at a team so Mm. you know uh, no disrespect to the Benetton team. The Benetton team was incredible. Uh, it's just their advertising was just a little too uh, kumbaya-y for my tastes. Yeah. Uh, but I So, think, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we're on the same page. Like, the, the biggest takeaway is that it's it, it just sounds like less like a a natural goal for the team and more like a well-oiled strategy yeah that will also almost certainly be like walked back once they get you know past the initial gates of of joining formula one i just can't and and I, i i i draw the parallel like almost every modern automotive manufacturer has mm-hmm. made some sort of statement along the lines of like we're going to make nothing but electric vehicles by the year 2030 yeah or 2035 or whatnot and that is not going to happen like we 
in the year 2035, we won't have an electrical grid that can support, that can support anything it. Yeah. But electric vehicles being sold. Like there's all sorts of other things that are like, once you get just like a few millimeters past that statement, you could start to uncover all sorts of reasons that it's oh, just not going to happen. This is never going to work. Yeah. This is yeah. just a, yeah. It's, it's a, it's not even a pie in the sky. It's like a, a dream that you had. Uh, like, it's just not, it's not that it's unattainable. It's that and lo- it like, and let me be, exist. let me be clear. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't think it's possible for there to be a Formula One team that is 50% mixed gender. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely possible. And I think that especially with uh, some of the recent advances that we've seen with uh, the female centric series that have been put in place and whatnot, mm-hmm. there's effectively the like personnel and infrastructure uh, in place to make that possible. It just yeah. doesn't seem as though. And there's a co- is, like is culturally to, the team to do that, and also culturally speaking, like I mean, you I, I, like you don't have to go outside your own family uh, to look at like the interest in motorsport not being drawn along gender lines. Like your sister, yeah. uh, like growing up, it was like, yeah, you you and I were really big into like racing culture, but like so was your sister. So it's not. It, it, you it can it's possible I, I inherited my sister's momo steering wheel it's yeah point. uh yeah like it's yeah, not yeah, a for sure it's it truly is a like there's a way to do this that includes women and people who identify as women in this uh into this sport who don't that but it doesn't have to be this like huge this is the diversity team like that just doesn't feel good uh at all uh speaking as someone who is when i'm lumped into groups it's like look we have there's a diverse we have diversity it's Corey's here and it's like well no i don't don't do that uh like that doesn't feel good but there is the possibility of setting this up uh i can't i we i know that we're moving on here but i have to go back to your perfect pun that we just ran right past which is this is a well-oiled machine we're talking about a saudi team put up by aramco money johnny you nailed that you nailed that uh there's also that little thing of uh i i read in uh an article in arab news uh is there's the fact that like aramco and aston martin doing well Saudi does feel more ownership over that team because they are sponsored by Aramco. So there's a lot of Saudi money already tied up in that team. And then also the color is green. It's like the Saudi green. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not, and that's, that's more than a happy accident that uh, Cognizant uh, and Aston Martin were like, well, we're green. Yeah. Ooh, our money is coming from Saudi. Their national, their house color is green. So there's there's already uh it by proxy there's already a Saudi team in F1. There's a team that without Saudi money would not be doing as well. I mean, Lawrence Stroll, you're a billionaire tycoon, but if you've got literally a whole country that is really really good at pulling oil out of the ground <laughs> and they want to sponsor you like yeah, that's going to make your billionaire tycoon um, money go a lot, lot further because you can invest it mm-hmm. in their company. They can invest in you. They can like, it's, it's a good, 
I think what they're doing with Aston Martin right now is a good fit for Saudi. I think the idea of putting a new track in Kibya, uh, which is another uh, another track that they're looking to do the Saudi Grand Prix at. They're going to take away the Jeddah Street Circuit. Uh, I guess maybe is that locked in yet, or is that that's something that's an early proposal, right? Uh, I think what I know about the Saudis is they will build it, they'll build it, and then just be like, "We built this. You're going to use it, right?" And right. it will work. It will become the the new new crown, uh, another crown in the jewel of of uh, or another another jewel in the crown of F1. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh so let's uh I want to I want to jump let's 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 bookend this with the Senna stuff. Uh so let's jump into the McLaren technical information, the McLaren and Merck stuff. Yes. Uh so we can get back to the the Senna doc at the end. Uh so the McLaren technical team has had a huge uh, uh landscape shift james key has left mm-hmm. the team uh we are going to have a former ferrari uh engineer in there uh, i think david sanchez is his name uh sanchez is his last name i can't remember what his first name is but he's going to be in there hopefully this will help to reform mclaren's uh <laughs> appearance <laughs> Uh, because they're not doing great right now. Um, what what have you heard about this, Johnny? Uh, I haven't heard much other than you know Zach Brown has been granted the power to make whatever aggressive you know personnel changes yeah. he sees fit, and I wonder if this is even just the beginning. Yeah, if this is process. Yeah, yeah, I, it that it comes at a bad time for McLaren just because they're performance is so lackluster uh they they promise that this is all part of the plan that when uh when andre stella took over the idea was to kind of disband the technical team uh or the technical director position and make it more of like a committee uh and this is a result of adrian newey when he was working for mclaren all of the power was centralized in Adrian Newey and people were like, we can't have just one man running our team because if he leaves, we're screwed. And also if he goes in the wrong direction, we're screwed. Uh, which one of those things happened. Adrian Newey left, uh, but he never really got it wrong. So uh, there's that. Uh, and then when he did leave, you may remember, um, Something that we discussed earlier about a GP2 engine. Uh, that was like right around the era of signing Fernando Alonso and McLaren uh, um, uh, had a had a tough time. A re-signing of Fernando Alonso, I should say. Not, not the initial signing. The initial signing, oh, what a match made in heaven. The second go around, not so good. Not so good. So... They're losing James Key. I don't know where James Key is going. Is if he's going on like gardening leave or if he's going to another team. Um, but that guy is a great engineer. He's a great engineer. Uh, yeah. It just seems that maybe they. I don't know. I I genuinely don't know what happened with their technical team or their engineering team. That it just 
it feels like they're they're just in the shit. Uh, they don't know what's going on. They scrapped their development plan the week before the first race. So it, it's I don't know what's going on with them. There's they were- always a lot of angry work going on in the McLaren garage. Yeah. Like, even if you don't understand anything about, you know, how they have made engineering missteps, you just glance in their garage compared to the others. And like, it's always people like pummeling parts. Yes. Either together or apart. And just like, yeah, it just seems like pure, pure chaos over there. I mean, yeah, it's it's bizarre to me because I grew up in an age where McLaren was yeah. the dominant team. Yeah. And it's so hard for me to process that they are so far behind, but but even hard for me to process that like they've been pretty much far behind for about a decade, a decade. now. Like we talk about we talked about Ferrari and the drought of Ferrari getting podiums and the the drought other than Seb winning a few, you know, uh, not a few races, a whole bunch of races in 2019. We talked about that, but the McLaren is maybe even more tragic uh, because they've had genuine, like Ferrari, it was sad because when they had Kimi Raikkonen back, they had two world champions, right? They had uh, a set of world champions running their cars and their cars were not great. But they were older, longer in the tooth world champions, people who had won world championships and uh, Kimi had literally left F1 uh, and came back. Right. And Seb had shifted and was kind of like not doing so great against uh, a a hot, a new hot shot Max Verstappen. So Mm -hmm. he went to Ferrari. McLaren has Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri, two young studs who everyone is going like, these two dudes are future world champions. And it's just, it's painful to watch not only McLaren fall on its face over and over and over again, but then also when they fall on their face, Lando and Oscar are going to be caught up in that. I mean, the first race of the season, they effectively had a double like DNF because yeah. Oscar's steering wheel broke uh <laughs> like it like, gave like the blue screen of death when they tried to hook up the new steering wheel that was that was sad watching that in camera uh in cockpit camera was like no bueno. oh what your steering wheel doesn't work and then Lando having to have his air like in the system in his actual engine, like topped off, not his tires topped yep. off. Like they were losing air pressure in their system, in their engine system. Yeah. So it's just, it's really troubling. Supposedly this will allow new development to not only uh, be put into play, but also it'll have a much softer landing because now that they've gotten rid of James key, if the new, development if the upgrades don't work they can always go like well that's james key he this was his fault and if they don't work uh or if they do work they can be like look we hired a new development team this is why we fired james key so and, and not fired uh, uh i don't know what the technical 
what what the split was but he's left the the mclaren there was like this yeah. long statement that they put out on instagram oh god what a what a weird time to exist in where f1 teams are putting out staffing changes on instagram bananas uh well, so it's not just i mean yeah. Corey, this is like across every industry that we're seeing and you yeah. know we we talked i think it was last episode or the episode before about the mega cringy Mercedes statement and whatnot. But like, yeah, you know, I saw, you know, uh, movie directors and movie stars are like going on social media to oh my God. beg and plead with people to, to go out I, and see their movie I or need, explaining. Johnny is talking about detail. Zachary Levi. I need everyone who's listening to this podcast oh. to look up Zachary Levi's straight to camera desperate pleas for people to go watch the Shazam movie which to is to try to explain why Shazam is better than John Wick and and whatnot it's just like incredible like, it's incredible this... he looks like he's going to cry like yeah oh god uh yeah it is it is across every industry oh. Social media. It's just so funny because we're going to look back on this. Uh, I, I I assume we're going to look back on this and then be like, oh, my God, what were we doing? We got we were so full of ourselves. And I don't just mean like F1. I mean, society in general is going to look back on this and be like, Eesh. I mean, roller discos. You look back on roller discos and you're like, wow, that was some corny shit. But it was actually kind of cool. Like people were having fun and socializing. There's nothing cool about social media. There's nothing that we'll look back on and watch someone like dance on a city street and go like, yeah, that wasn't that. That was like art. They were doing art. So, yeah, it it just sucked to see it. It sucks to see it. And it sucks that they felt the need to put out a statement on Instagram in this like very serious and dramatic tone. So speaking of art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was, so this past week uh, was uh, Ayrton Senna's birthday. Yes. Yes. Uh, Would have been always nice birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to see always a string of sort of, you know, tributes and remembrances and whatnot. Yeah. Um, thought this was interesting. Netflix uh, made a formal release talking about having uh, landed on a star to mm -hmm. play Ayrton Senna in a nonfiction sort of like bio doc. Yeah. Uh, series. Six part series six part i guess you know is that is that like a a television show or a mini series or a uh, movie with lots of digital intermissions uh i think whatever it is it, yeah it's like it's it's i think halfway between the uk television series like a season of a series uh and mm -hmm. like the the one off uh stuff that you see here in the us where it's like a single documentary series um yeah it's so i'm excited for it we will see this series the title is going to be senna mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a uh, there's a Brazilian actor Gabriel Leon who has yep. like you, you look at a picture of him. He's got a little bit of the center look, but I think if yeah. you look at just the eyes, if you imagine the helmet yes. going on and just being able to see the eyes, it's like oh yeah, that's a hundred percent. I did the same thing, Johnny. I was like, uh, I hope they didn't just arbitrarily pick a Brazilian like heartthrob uh, to play Senna because. Hey, if you look at old footage of Senna, that is that man is just so sexy uh, in in every way. Uh, he's just Absolutely. he's yeah, just in in every way. It, you just can't you look at him and you're like, oh my god, that man is he's everything. Uh, so the fact that they like got someone who is also like a heartthrob, I was a little nervous. And then I did the like, I put my hands up to like the screen and I like covered <laughs> the rest of his face. And I was like, yep, that's Ayrton. That's Ayrton's like, <laughs> it's so weird. It, it, but you, you nailed it, Johnny. It's exactly what it is though. They, they like, they're like, Oh, he's going to spend so much time in that helmet and he needs to convey so much intensity with the way he looks and like digest yeah. things through his eyes. And I'm excited to see this. Um, also just, the fact that Vivian, that Ayrton's sister, first uh, first of all, I don't think, not even I don't think, I know that there is no one comparable to the to to Ayrton in the U.S. or really any other culture that I can think of. Uh, there's there's no one who is as revered as universally revered by. Uh, a culture as Ayrton Senna yeah. is. And to the point of where the entire culture is so fiercely protective of Ayrton that they will not release any footage of this man. This man had, if you look at like Schumacher, you look at that documentary, that man had a video camera and like, yeah, he had his own video camera that he would film his family with. Ayrton had his own video camera uh he his family members filmed him his family members uh took pictures of him they have audio recordings of him none of that is available to the public because he is so guarded by brazil as a cultural icon as a true cultural icon uh it's like you can find when he when he when he passed the country shut down shut down formal days of mourning like the whole not not like uh gov like the banks were closed. No one went to work. No one did anything except mourn this man. So he's singularly responsible for the literacy rate in Brazil being as high as it was because he was like, "Oh, I'm making a ton of money. I know that there's like a lot of illiterate poor people there's like a huge class struggle in brazil and he very quietly uh but very deliberately tried to put an end to that and continues to through his sister's philanthropic work to this day so like there's this man is so important to the brazilian culture the fact that they that netflix brazil is the entity that is allowed to do this should be an indicator netflix is one of the most powerful media companies on the planet and even they couldn't partner with a local component like without brazil without netflix brazil signing off on this there's no way that this would be happening there's just no way 
because there's clearly a personal connection between Vivian and someone who's on that Netflix crew. And like, she's, it sounds like she's sitting in on the edits. She's sitting in and making sure that all of this is like tonally correct and honors her brother's memory the way that it should be mem- uh, uh, memorialized. And I, I, I have to agree. I'm, uh, such a huge fan of Ayrton and such a huge, uh, uh, such a huge fan of like the cultural phenomenon that he created within his country. It's one of, he's one of the reasons I am a fan of uh, so much of Brazil. He's a reason I'm learning Portuguese. I am so excited to have like a decent grasp on the Portuguese language because I will get to watch this and understand the nuance of it. (laughs) Uh, uh, And I, know like a ton about the culture a ton about the music and it's all because of Ayrton like it has everything to do with him so I love that they're doing this and I think it's one of the coolest things that they could do and I will watch it so many times and I will cry my eyes out because uh, it's going to go from his Formula 4 days up through his death and I'm sure yep. that that those last couple of episodes are going to be centered around the mourning that happened post-death. And if Vivian is a part of this, which she is, those last couple of episodes are going to be devastating to watch. And I want to I wanna like just be by myself and cry my eyes out watching that. Uh, I can't wait. I really can't wait. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> that's all. Wild yeah. to me that we are seeing... Now, so, like currently at this point in time, both in Formula One and in sort of like motor racing in general. So we have a uh, a Senna series headed to Netflix. Yeah. Uh, most likely next year. At Probably. Yeah. We have uh, Joseph Kaczynski, the Top Gun director, making yeah. a formula one film uh that is already sold i believe to to apple Mm -hmm. we have uh keanu reeves putting together a documentary about the braun formula one team narrated by jensen button yeah yep with jensen button and ross braun and and all of that wild uh we have what else do we have? There's there's one other. There's uh, a Gran Turismo movie being made by Neil Blomkamp. Who oh, really? The, uh, yes, yeah. Um, and that will be coming out, I believe, if not later this year, early next year. Uh, that's based around the real life story of the first kid who won the Gran Turismo competition that actually got him uh training and seat mm-hmm. time in a real race car and then went on to become a a proper like endurance driver yeah um after you know after basically setting really fast lap times in the video game itself so kind of, a, kind of an interesting and fun that's, story there so that's cool yeah story. uh i feel like there's even some there's got to be at least one other one that i'm forgetting about but there's all this different mm-hmm. media that is coming through and and going to be continuing to kind of uh you know make an impression on audiences worldwide it's it's super fascinating to me to see this uh see this all unfolding it really is man and there's 
there's also oh um there was a quote uh this the the jensen thing reminded me jensen uh was in a nascar was in a new a next generation NASCAR, yeah, him, uh, him, and Kimi, and Kimi were both yeah. in it, and they—I uh, can't remember what place he—he he didn't place extremely well, but he wasn't last. Uh, we're talking about Jensen here at this, and it was at, I believe, the Circuit of the Americas was. Yeah, it was at Circuit of the Americas yeah. uh, this weekend. Uh, but there was a quote from Kimi. Did you see? Uh, no, what? What? Uh, <laughs> what was it? It was so great, and this is. One of the, this is why I miss Kimmy so much in F1, but I'm so happy that he's still in racing. So they were like, Oh, Kimmy, how is it driving NASCAR? Like, this is, you know, this is your second year doing it. You're doing the street circuits. Like, what, you know, what are your thoughts on it? And his response was, Oh, I love it. I mean, it's like driving an F1 car back when, like, you know, it was good. <laughs> Like, like in essence, like that's the quote. Uh, and I think like the specific language he used was like, you can pass people without DRS. It's great. Uh, like, it's mm-hmm. just such a very specific, like, yeah, I was getting bored with F1. That's why I stopped trying so hard and stopped caring. And then eventually retired before Jeez. I even had my uh, first race of my last season. That was so funny the Abu Dhabi thing that did you see that where they were where they like opened up all the cards and they were like oh what are your predictions for this year and uh and Kimmy's was like I'm retiring like that was the thing right. he said yeah. the year before he raced his last season he was like next year's going to be my last year that's it I'm done and then he retired he just unceremoniously was like, I'm done. I'm leaving. And everyone's like, no, Kimmy, don't go. We're going to do a big fanfare and make it like huge so that you yep, yep, maybe yep. come back again. He's not coming back again. That mm-hmm. man is done. Now that he loves racing NASCARs and he's just going to do that until he can't race a car anymore. It's amazing. Uh, oh, one last thing, Johnny. We gotta, I mean, we've spent a lot of time in the trash corner. This we we are crawling out of the trash, uh, but uh, much like uh, like Bill Paxton as he's trying to like uh, uh, do one last heroic moment in the movie Aliens, uh, and it, like uh, Toto Wolf has like reached up out of the trash and like grabbed the side of our face and pulled us down back into it. Uh, mm-hmm. so Toto. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back, yeah. back, back into the trash, back please. into the trash, back into the trash. So, uh, Toto came out in a statement at, uh, after the yeah. Jetta Grand Prix where people were like, Hey, you're looking to change the way that the car is. You're looking to like maybe scrap the, the side pod, the zero pod, uh, idea. Uh, there are rumors that this car is going to look a little bit like a Red Bull. Are you okay with that? And Toto was just like, I, I just want a fast race car. I don't care what it looks like. If it looks too much like the Red Bulls, we'll put a little bull sticker on it and I'll have no shame about it. And it was just like the most Toto thing you could do in that moment, which is they were trying to like get him and trying to like maybe make him uh, swallow his pride a little bit. And yeah. he was like, no, 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 no. 
you you're not the only one who gets to watch me swallow my pride this whole banquet hall gets to watch me swallow my pride and i'm going to do it while standing on a table and it's like all right toto yeah no i liked it i liked wow. it. it was his like you know yes we'll be the best at being cheaters yeah. yep we'll just <laughs> we'll be the yeah it's like oh you want to you <laughs> okay cool we'll we'll do it we'll do exactly what you think we're going to do and we'll do it better than them and quite frankly if you look at aston martin's performance this year they went more towards a red bull concept they did borrow a bunch of things from mercedes because they needed to literally they physically have a bunch of mercedes components they need the pull rod and push rod suspension set up because of the way the transmission is in the back of that car So they have elements from Mercedes. They did borrow elements from Red Bull, but they also did borrow some elements from Ferrari. So Mm -hmm. I think that if Mercedes goes whole hog and goes, okay, we're going to build a a Red Bull-esque car, they have a better power unit in the back of that vehicle. They do. They just do. The, The Mercedes, the HPP is better than uh, the Honda motors. It's just, they've been doing it for longer and they're better at it. For Christ's sake, they had to underclock their motors at the start of a season just because they were like, "Uh uh-oh, we are two seconds faster than the whole field. We are going to, the FIA and F1 are going to change the rules because of us. And so like Mercedes will come in and decimate Red Bull in a car that has the same exact setup with the same exact aerodynamic uh, and they go in the same aerodynamic direction. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I truly do believe that just like they decimated them in the, at the start of the hybrid era. Uh, they went with this concept, didn't work. They're willing to swallow their pride. Toto is willing to swallow his pride in front of everyone and do it while like staring Christian Horner right in the eye. And I'm, so happy i'm so happy that he came out and said that because lewis can say whatever he wants but toto is the one who decides what happens so if he's like hey i pay you to make a good car if it needs to look like the red bull make it look like the red bull or else you don't work here anymore it's that simple I mean, I think this is just, you know, it's a reinforcement of the mindset in Formula One, which is just that it's, you know, it's performance at all costs, no matter what. And yeah, uh, again, I'm still bewildered that it took them, you know, a full season of complete failure to then, you know, look at themselves and be like, well, we should try some different approaches here, maybe. Um, But hey. Whatever, whatever it takes. So I like yeah. the idea. I mean, I, I, I even, I, I particularly love the idea of like, we're going to put a little bull oh, somewhere on the car. Like to me, I, it makes me think of like, you know, writing silly messages on the tips of, you know, bombs, bombs that are being yes. dropped by, yes. uh, by, by oh, fighter jets and whatnot, you know, Dr. Strait-esque, like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, um, just like gleefully being like, we're going to destroy you, uh, is, is delightful uh also um some some information around 
the more technical stuff. They're supposedly getting rid of, not supposedly, Technical Directive 39, which was the uh, the metric that they were using to figure out how much a car was oscillating and porpoising and creating track strikes. Mm-hmm. Apparently that is being suspended. So the Aussie GP will be the first Grand Prix since the porpoising, anti-porpoising directive was put in place that teams will now potentially, we may see a Ferrari that's running a little bit lower. We may see a Mercedes that mm-hmm. is allowed to change their setup. We may see an Alpine that is much faster uh, because the porpoising is allowed. And keep in mind, mm-hmm. Ferrari had a ton of porpoising last year. They were the fastest car outside of the Red Bull. So it's doable. It can work. It just depends on the car setup and the direction of the design of the car. The Mercedes, it did yeah. not work for. It just didn't. Uh, it combined with a bunch of other things that just made the car undrivable. But the setup window for the Ferrari with porpoising was pretty damn good. It won the first two races of the season with the porpoising issues. So. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what that looks like uh, if this means that Ferrari is going to, and this is Formula One being like, "Uh uh-oh, Red Bull's running away with it. We need to maybe look at the directives we put in place to uh, uh, that that may have had an unintended consequence of making Red Bull supremely dominant and uh, everyone else uncompetitive. So the suspension of that technical directive, pretty important we'll see what it looks like we'll see if these cars are bouncing off of the track uh, in in australia is that a bumpy track i can't really remember it's a street circuit so it probably is yeah but uh it's a but it's like a, a you know it's it's, like a, it's similar i mean it's a street yeah. circuit but it's similar to the canadian grand prix where it's like a it's like a purpose-built you know, street circuit yeah yeah uh so yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see uh Anything else from uh, from this this week, Johnny? That stuck out? Uh, not not much else, but yeah, excited to to get into Melbourne. Yeah, this uh, this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I can't wait to see the the homecoming response for Oscar Piastri. Uh, that's going to be so fun, and I really do hope mm-hmm. that McLaren. I know they're probably not going to, but I mean, he qualified what eighth last last race and then finished outside of the points uh but i think that there's a good chance that if he has a good setup he doesn't have a lap one incident like he did in Jeddah, that we'll see oscar piastri score his first points uh in in australia Uh, i i feel i have confidence there uh john Mm -hmm. so what do you think what do you think now with a week elapsed uh between Jeddah? And now we're in race week. What do you think, prediction wise? Where where are we? Who's who's going to shock us in Melbourne? I think we're going to start to see sparks fly between Checo and Max. Yeah, I think that's going to be the story of the race: is them butting heads against each other, yeah. and going to war. You know, mid race or or maybe even whatnot. on lap one because they're going. <laughs> Yeah, they'll they'll qualify first and second. Yeah, if um, if yeah, if there's no issues, yeah. that's the only reason that they didn't qualify first and second in Jeddah was because Max had a drive shaft issue, or else he would have either been first or second right next to Checo, and they would have been battling 
So yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think we're going to see some some sparks between the two of them. Uh, and I, then otherwise, the entire rest of the field trying as hard as they can to hold Fernando off the podium, but he's still gonna yeah he's still he's gonna still make gonna it fight his way up there. Yeah, uh, I think that we are going to see uh, Haas. I think we're going to see a double points finish from the mm. Haas boys. Uh, I, I have I have a good feeling about them. I have a good okay. feeling. They've been putting in good work and consistent work. Hulkenberg's been qualifying really well. Magnuson has yeah. been racing really well. Uh, and Hulkenberg, I think, is back up to, this is the third race. He'll be in great form for the Grand Prix, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we're going to see some Haas action. Uh, I hope we see uh, Piastri at least getting one point in there. Um, mm -hmm. I think we are going to see fireworks between Lewis and George. That's what I think. Mm. Uh, I think the last race kind of hinted at it. Um, and I think that this race, if they have similar setups, if they have the ability to own yep. the same part of the racetrack at the same time during the Grand Prix, we're going to see some interesting racing between mm -hmm. those two uh respectful but i think it will be much more aggressive uh it showed last week when they were like oh george uh george got the the podium that's great right yeah. and lewis was like i don't know how that affects me sure and i was like oh i love it i love that like the novelty of having mm -hmm. your new teammate win a race is gone and now all yeah. you're doing is being like well i do need to finish ahead of my teammate and I am faster than him. He like made some allusions to that uh, last week. So it's it's interesting how close it is the the difference between you know having your your younger teammate under your wing, and then like that that comforting wing slowly becoming like a headlock that you try to put them in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just being like, come here, come here. Let me show you how to do this. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. really. It, yeah, so I'm excited for that. I think the Ferrari boys will maybe be the third step on the podium. I think we're probably going to have a Max and Checo 1-2, though. Uh, I think that's mm -hmm. probably what's going to happen here, especially with four DRS zones in Melbourne. Yeah. The Red Bull was 20 kilometers per hour faster, or 20 miles an hour 10 kph 20 miles an hour faster than every other car with its drs open I i've mean, got i've got an idea why don't we just make a a podium that instead of having three steps has five and <laughs> that's great just or, do we just do that or, and or it's a, easier to sort of podiums. ignore the first two steps or two know. podiums yeah. one for the red bulls and then one for everybody else uh yep. like the red bulls can have their celebration and drama and it's just it'll be cheaper because it'll only be one step up on the podium mm -hmm. so you don't have to have multiple steps uh yeah um i, I yeah i think it's going to be a red bull one two and maybe a ferrari finish and then george and lewis battling like madmen uh at the mm -hmm. end of the grand prix for that i like position. that i want to see that yeah yeah me i'm too. here for that me too uh i think alonzo I've left Alonzo out. He's like maybe the most. If all right, so if Max and Checo aren't a one-two, I think that it's going to be 
Alonzo top step. I'm going to keep pushing for Alonzo wins every single week, folks. That's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want Alonzo on the top step. I want uh, Max or Checo second, and I want the uh, the one of the Ferraris, preferably Carlos uh, third. Uh, God, I just want to see that so bad. Hey, if both of my predictions come true, it could yeah. be that Max and Checo take each other out, and then it's Alonzo followed by two Ferraris. Yeah, yeah, that's entirely possible. All right, well, uh, we'll see that at some point this season. Yeah, yeah. There's... I'll just say that that if if not in Melbourne, we will see that at some point yeah, this there's season. No way. There's no way that those two will not take each other out, or yeah. at least one will take the other out. Hopefully it's Checo taking out Max and just stirring up the most angry hornet's nest ever uh, in that garage. Well, what do you think? Has the stock gone up this week? Has it gone down? Has it plateaued? Where are we at, Johnny? Yeah, I think the stock has gone up, um, particularly because of this NASCAR race at Circuit of the Americas, a Formula One track, and throughout uh, that race, I know it was constantly spoken to that they had Jensen Button, Kimi Raikkonen, yeah. former Formula One drivers yeah. in those in those rusty old NASCARs. Yeah. And was, oh no, I was like, was Ma- Juan Pablo there too? Was JPM in that race as well? No, he's, I don't know. He's I don't in, know. He's if, in uh, Indy right now. He's, he's, he's in Indy. It, yeah. Right. Is he still Indy? I don't, I I'm I'm bad outside of uh, yeah me too. F1 or I'm bad with my Indian NASCAR in particular yeah um, but you know I think there's I think it's good to see the sport getting uh, a little more access in some other more unconventional ways how about how about you yeah. what do you think stock go up uh, I think the stock went up I don't think it went up as much as we would have liked it to or as much as we've seen it in the past few weeks or even months uh, I think there is a little bit of a dip because. They mostly because there hasn't been any like real drama. Uh, and by that, yeah. I mean, there hasn't been any like, dr- like real deal drama between teammates uh, over the course of the week. It also has, it's been less drama on track. And I think, you know, Formula One fandom as a whole yeah. are feeling the pain of potential Red Bull dominance through the rest of the season. Yeah. I think, the one reason, one of the reasons why uh, I'm saying the stock is going up, but it's kind of plateauing a little bit, was like watching. I saw the viewership, uh, uh, like the Sky F1 viewership was like 880 million people watched the first one or something like that, and then it was like 500 million watched the second race because <laughs> they right, were like, "Oh, right. the Red Bulls are just going to run away with it," yeah. and that's I think that's the fear of F1. Uh, the reason they're bringing mm-hmm. back that technical or removing that technical directive. Uh, and also there are rumors about maybe reigning in Red Bull with regulations next year, which yeah. sure, sure, whatever. We'll see. There's only one year left, really. If we're, yeah. I'm already in 2024, but like there's really only one year left uh, as far as the development window for these cars. So changing the rules now, I don't know how effective that will be because Red Bull's already getting hit with cost cap reduction in development. And then, yeah, I don't know that they'll be easily stopped. I'm happy for everyone to try. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Throw, throw everything you got at them. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, and and that's, that's, I think the sad 
the saddest part of this is that everybody is seeing it as like, cool, what's the next window going to be? Oh, 2026 when there's a major reshuffling to the rules, to the formula. Conclusion. Yep. Oh, also foregone conclusion. Last little bit here. Porsche has officially been like, we're done. We're not doing F1. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't make sense for us to do it. So we're not going to see Porsche in F1. Another almost for Porsche, but uh, they're not going to make it in. So that kind of sucks, but I get it. I get it. Doesn't doesn't really make sense for them. Mm -hmm. All right, Johnny, where can the folks find you out there in the world? Oh, you can catch up with me anytime via my home base, which is johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can track me down. I am Burn Corey Burn on Instagram and TikTok for as long as we are allowed to have it here in the United States of America. Uh, we are also on uh, Twitter and TikTok as the F1 Files, so you can track us down there. Uh, I'm Johnny, I'm going to up. I'm going to update my website so that I can start just plugging my website instead of all these social media things. Cause like we said, we'll, we'll look back on this in years and years and years and go like, Oh my God, that's so gross. I can't believe we we're, I was actually like genuinely telling people to go check out my TikTok page. What? Uh, it's like how I feel about Facebook now where I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oof. Corey, how about this? What if, what if years from now we're looking at it and we're like, we used to be dignified? Yeah, having people look at our TikTok pages and whatnot, and now, we just, you know, I don't even, I don't even know how to imagine what it is, but we just, you know, ourselves out onto some sort of, you know, metaverse, artificial intelligence powered. Yep. Only fans, you yep. know, uh, sort of situation like it's that's beamed directly into people's skulls and doesn't even, yeah. yes, Ugh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right, Johnny. We are going to go in the opposite direction. If you want to catch up with me, log into my thoughts <laughs> in real time anytime you want. Oh, it helps me have some accountability for trying to keep my thoughts on the rails. Oh, god, so just you know. I'm going to say the plat- the name of the newest platform or the platform that we're speaking about is going to be called STEM. And it's because it's plugged directly into your brain stem. Into your brain stem. Oh, God. All right, folks. Well, wonderful. Yeah, that's a, a perfect place to end it. Uplifting uh, note. Yes, to... yes. Dystopia is yes. our future. All right. Well, folks, you can catch up with us the next time. And we promise we're going to catch up with you the next time after the Australian Grand Prix right here on these F1 files. Yeah. Oh, so gentle. (laughs) 